there's some challenges that people come across with large companies that they're internal recruiting. And that's one of the areas where a, a CIO can, can look for what I call the quality indicators, something that shows that you're pursuing candidates that are the harder to get to candidates in the market where the most value typically lies. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. A few weeks ago, we interviewed Eric Miller of Centralized Solutions here on Status Go. In that episode, Inside the Mind of a Recruiter, Eric and I discussed the questions and resulting conversation a recruiter is likely to have when they call someone on your team. He shared many insider tips that you can use to ensure your staff does not answer the call, and if they do, they don't entertain the conversation because, well, because they're happy right where they are with you. In this episode, we're going to bring Eric back and go deeper inside the mind of a recruiter. What do you do when you have an opening to fill? How do you best engage with a third party recruiter? How can you be sure you're getting the best candidates and getting the most value out of your recruiter? Welcome back to Status Go, Eric. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be back again. Looking forward to this conversation. We're going to skip the the uh, bio portion. If people want to learn more about you, I invite you to to uh, listen to episode one, and we're going to dive right in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the role of a of a hiring manager in tech, a CIO, and I've got some openings on my team in this day and age. Probably a developer, maybe a maybe an engineer, but uh, how do I know? when I need to use a third party instead of just using my internal HR? Got it. Well, I, I would say to jump right into that, the, the most common reason would be first and foremost is we just can't find anybody, I think is what most people would say. And that's probably where it could start or they can't find the right quality. Uh, but But I would say even beyond that, when you're looking at particular roles on a team, there are certain roles that are just going to be much more impactful than others on a team uh, and ones where you can't afford uh, to make a mishire. Uh, they're, they're critical in nature or they're in the lead position or they carry a lot of weight. And those are the ones typically that you would slate for having a recruiter go out into the market and extract somebody from ideally another organization where they're doing the same thing and you can leverage their skill sets and buy the skill sets and bring them onto your team and not spend a year training that person to do the job. So typically an, an internal recruiter uh, that, that works for a, a, an organization uh, might be recruiting for a software developer and a bookkeeper and a retail store clerk all at the same time, right? Correct. So, it's not, yeah, go ahead, sir. No, no. So I, that's part of the challenge that they have internally is they may not know uh, everything there is to know about that specific IT role other than the job description and talking with the hiring manager. 
but a, a third party recruiter who specializes in those tech jobs would would know the market, right? So it's usually on the internal side, it's a, it's usually a matter of like three things that, that causes some challenge. It's a matter of um, specialty. And as you alluded to, a lot of times the internal recruiting, they're across every position uh, at the company. So if we're talking with IT professionals, they're not going to be usually, unless they're large enough, they usually won't have a specialized IT recruiter only. They're going to be across, like you mentioned, HR, could be a bookkeeper, could be certain lines of business, and they're going to have a wide array of things where they're not necessarily specialists in a particular area. The the other thing that you're going to find is they're not going to have the repeatability. Yeah, you know, let's just say that we're hiring for a director of IT infrastructure and operations. Well, most likely the internal recruiter, unless that company's had a lot of turnover, isn't going to have uh, experience over and over again, placing that particular role in the marketplace. So they're just not going to have the familiarity with it. Uh, and then it's just a matter also, the third thing that I would say that really is challenging internally for recruiting teams is the volume. Like in my case, we may, I may be working on personally a half a dozen of different roles at a given time. Uh, as uh, it goes with the internal recruiting, they could have 30 or 40 requisitions at one time that they're trying to manage for. And they usually manage them a lot differently, whereas they're usually managing them by, by what I would say inbound kind of recruiting where they're putting out posts, they're doing some LinkedIn work, uh, but they're, they're doing it a little differently normally than uh, a uh, seasoned recruiter might do that's going to go the other route and go after the passive market. Well, talk to me more about the the, the passive market. I, I think the the terminology you've used in in conversations that we've had, Eric, is an applicant versus a candidate. So how do you how do you differentiate between the two, and how do you go find the the candidate? Got it. Good point. Yeah. So the the applicant side is pretty straightforward. That's an active candidate or an active professional looking for a new job. And it could be a case where they're between positions uh, or they got let go or they left their company or for whatever reason they're not employed, which isn't necessarily all that common in high demand roles uh, because the, the unemployment rate, as you know, can be below zero for some of those positions on a team. Uh, but there certainly are people that are going to be applicants or they could have a case where they have business conditions or they don't like their boss or whatever the reason they're looking for a job. Uh, and then I also consider applicants in that, that, well, I, I will consider them a different level if they have less than two years tenure with their current company, for example. Um, but nonetheless, so the candidate is simply the other way. It's, it's somebody that after we do a little work with our hiring manager, that we understand exactly what they're looking for in a role, because as I mentioned before, the, the infrastructure and operations director, uh, if we do that position for five different companies, there will actually be five different types that they're looking for. They all will have mm -hmm. variances. They're all very unique to that company. So once we understand what that is, then we can go out to the market and ideally, theoretically, if we can identify all the people in our market that are uh, infrastructure and operations directors, match them against what we feel like our client is looking for, add a buffer of say 10% around that, and then we methodically go out and touch each one of them uh, in a, in a uh, professional manner of what are you doing? Are you open for opportunities? 
uh, would you consider a new role? And we do that in a way that we're having live conversations. Yep. That is that is us being able to get to the passive market and talk to those that aren't necessarily looking but could be open for a new opportunity. Which ties back to part one, right? And the conversation that we had there, some of the questions that you ask uh, to uh, identify that. So I, I think that's a that's a, a great point. So as I'm sitting here and, and I'm the hiring manager, is it is it fair for me to ask my my internal talent acquisition professional what their process is for for finding applicants versus candidates? Well, I suppose it is. They probably have a pretty straightforward process and, and some of them can be pretty effective and some internal recruiting uh, will go out and, and do some outbound recruiting or, or, or uh, more on the offense side by using LinkedIn and sending out LinkedIn types of notes. Sometimes uh, those recruiters have come from what they call the agency side is like what, what, what I'm considered from or that mm -hmm. the headhunter side, but they're sometimes limited in their ability to make outbound cold recruiting calls directly to people in the market that would be considered competitors or uh, people that are in similar roles at different companies because their, their company may not want them to go after them uh, because it may not have good optics for whatever reason. So, mm -hmm. so sometimes they're relegated to pursuing uh, more the applicant side than they are the candidate side. Uh, and then it's also a matter of uh, just how much time it takes to go after candidates versus applicants, because obviously mm -hmm. applicants are a lot easier to get to uh, than the candidate side is because they're not looking or responding to things many yeah. times. Um, but I guess it's fair to ask what their process is, but uh, it certainly is the question that I think every hiring manager, if they're going to use an external firm, should be asking them, what, what are they doing that's going to be different than what their internal search uh, is, is doing? Because if they're just doing the same thing, uh, then there's probably not a ton of value that they're going to bring. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. If I've made the decision uh, that I need to look at some candidates, some from uh, from a third party, what questions do I ask? So I'm calling I'm calling you, Eric, and saying, "Hey, I think I need some help. Our our talent acquisition professionals in in HR are really buried, filling different roles, and mm -hmm. I really have this unique need for uh, my my app developer on, on there. What questions do I ask you?" to help me determine, are you going to be the right third party for me? So, yeah, great question. And I think it comes down to a couple of things that I would want to know. If I was a CIO or a VP looking for a search firm, uh, I'd want to ask them some things like, what what is their process and what types of search do they do? Uh, in other words, there are a couple of different levels of searches that we come across, depending on what level of role it is. There's a contingency search, which I think we've probably touched on in the past, where there's no uh, no dollars up front. You just go out and, and they go out and find candidates, bring them to you. And if they're successful, they get a fee, which is pretty common in the technical arena. There's the engage search where you may give them a little bit up front to start, maybe 10%, and then they get the rest at the end. Uh, and then there's a fully retained where it's really you pay for the process and the end result is normally you know, a placement or at least a set of finalist candidates. So you may want to find out exactly what they're doing, but let's just say in the technical space, 
it's probably going to be a contingency search or it could be engaged, but most likely it'll be contingency. So the questions are, you know, what are they going to do for the, the search? And I would ask them, would they outline their process that they'll follow? Uh-huh. And that's probably the first thing you'd want to know. If they can't really outline their process, then it's probably telling you they don't really have a specific process they're going to follow on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing. Um, but there's a few things I would look for. Uh, if I was a CIO, I'd look for uh, a, a very definitive start and stop date for the search. So I want to start it on this date and end it on this date because then that really kind of uh, puts the bookends on it in a way that they're going to go through their process within that sub 30 days and they're going to produce the results that you're looking for in that time frame, assuming it's sub 30 days for the search. Then that way it won't drag on afterwards for weeks and months and just die a slow death and you don't hear from the recruiter or nothing really happens, which is a very common thing in our industry. Uh, when you have so many different jobs out there now and recruiters are chasing around a lot of different types of positions. Yeah. So as I begin to unpack their process, um, one of the things that you and I talked about a couple weeks ago was, was perhaps a weekly call uh, or at least a weekly update uh, as we're going through this process. Um, what things should they be telling me that is cluing me in that they're they're actively trying to find my candidates. Got it. So once you understand their, their process, there's probably a few things that uh, we can walk through. And I, and I would say, honestly, on the contingency search, most firms will have a, a process that boils down to about 10 to 15 different steps that they probably go through uh, to get to where they need to go. And, and the first step is probably the most important, I think, in that is having a conversation, uh, which is a lot of people call a, a needs analysis uh, mm-hmm. process. And it's a, usually it's like a one hour call the recruiter will have with the hiring manager. And they'll talk about, okay, you mentioned me, you're looking for this director of IT operations, um, but let's talk about what's beyond the, the actual job description. What exactly are you looking for uh, let's refer to it as the technical requirements that are unique to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's look at it from what are the soft skills that are very unique to you. Uh, and then let's look at it from your culture or your quality indicators. Like, what are you really looking for? Do you care about a, an IT leader that's that's been three jobs in five years? Or do you want somebody who has more uh, seasoned tenures? Do you care if they've been promoted in their past roles or given increased responsibility? Or do you just want somebody that's kind of keeping things running? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you care if they've led major projects? Do you care if they've done X or Y or Z? And from that, you can build that avatar or that kind of ideal candidate. But that's probably the starting point of, of any of the process is to give the recruiter a pure understanding of what you're looking for exactly. And they will probably then feed that back to you in some kind of one pager where they say, here's our position overview or here's some kind of document that shows mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. Uh, and here's how we're going to start in the first uh, in the first uh, week or two. And the reason I bring that up is because before you can really have a weekly meeting on what you've done, I think it's important for the recruiter and the hiring manager to know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah. go out and search for this particular role. And if the, if the conversation is, well, are you going to do that in a way that you're going to not just go after applicants, but you can go after candidates, how are you going to do that? And then right. that's a matter of, 
do you, so the recruiter will probably say, we're going to do our electronic version of the search. Uh, we're going to do our, our traditional uh, version of the search, which is identify candidates within our, our professional database that we've developed over the years. And then we're going to do a, uh, a more traditional go out and make phone calls and target individual uh, candidates that we feel fit the role exactly as you laid out. And then we're going to try to entice them uh, to consider moving for a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the first part of it. So then when I have a meeting with somebody the first week or two, I'd want to know, uh, what have you done? Have you sent out emails? Have you listed it on LinkedIn? Are you getting any response? And then more importantly is uh, how big of a list did you identify of people that you're going to target for us in this particular role? Let's say yeah. it's our director of IT operations. And they say, well, I've identified 126 leaders in the market in central Indiana, for example, which is where we're from, uh, that we feel like would be a fit for this opportunity that kind of meet the certain things you're after. They have certain standards that, that you you wanted. They worked for a public company or they had a consulting firm in their mix in the past or whatever it is. We're going to have mm-hmm. that pool. And then the question is on a milestone day, we'll call it a Friday. We're going to call and give and give the updates. It could be just a verbal conversation or you can write it down and send it to them on an email. Uh, but how many people have you tried to contact? How many people have you talked to on our behalf? Um, how is it going as you look at the start and stop date? How far along are you in the process? And more importantly, have you uncovered any candidates that would fit fit the role that we should talk mm-hmm. to? Well, and, and I, I would imagine one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Eric, um, when you talked about us being here in central Indiana is one of, one of my uh, requirements are, or one of the things that we talk about in that initial conversation is um, I'm not necessarily interested in candidates that live directly here. I'd be open to uh, remote work or relocation. So as I'm talking with a recruiter, I would imagine that their geographic reach comes into it in some ways. It can, and you'll, you'll find recruiters that are what I call the, in the, in the specialty or the professional recruiting model, they'll, they'll generally have a lot of years of ten years in their industry. Uh, it's very common if they've been at it, obviously for a while, but they'll have a specialty area, which in my case is information technology. Uh, and, uh, and within it, we specialize in, in, on the infrastructure side of it, and we specialize in the leadership side there, as well as a few of the, of uh, the probably higher priority roles like network systems, cloud on the infrastructure side, but we don't do all the roles uh, mm-hmm. and we try to limit our market to central Indiana. Now, okay. uh, contrary to, there, to that, we I have uh, associates that I work with in the industry that let's say they're specialized in agronomy uh, and that is in the agricultural uh, arena, but they may only specialize in uh, Iowa and Kansas mm-hmm. and that's it. And they could live in Indiana, uh, but they could just do their searches out there. So they're going to delimit their their geography based on their specialty. And we try to manage it to a certain size where we can be very effective and kind of own our niche. Uh, mm-hmm. is how we kind of look at it from a recruiting perspective. So you do want to ask uh, if you're going to do a, a search and you want to do it more expanded, uh, find out if they do specialize in more of a broader geography, what that might look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you start getting a little broader than a, a market, if they've been doing the, that same search over and over again, for example, in the market, there's a big value to that. However, yeah. if you say, I want you to do the search nationally, 
and they've never done that search nationally before, that means they're going to have to kind of start over and they're going to have to start to identify candidates they don't know about from California to Maine. And then they're going to have to try to figure out how to contact and get through to those people. And as you know, in IT, trying to reach out to IT directors and some of those are that can take an awful long time to to get through if you don't know them. Um, So that kind of leans towards more of a engaged or retained search if you're going to do it in a way that's going to be what we call original search. Ah, gotcha. That, gotcha. that makes sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the value of having a, a recruiter that's specialized and perhaps local or at least is, is continually doing the same search over and over again is that they have been doing the same search over and over again, and they know the market, they know the players, they know who's, when they, when they put that position on their LinkedIn, they know the seven people are going to apply no matter what. Yep. Uh, know the people that are between jobs, you know, the people that may may not be a good fit uh, due to, um, you know, a variety of issues. But they also know the, where the where the players are, uh, the people that are the best value and where they could try to get to uh, for their on behalf of their client. Is is industry experience important? Let me uh, let me ask it this way. Uh, if if I'm the CIO of uh, a uh, large manufacturer mm-hmm. um, is it important that you as a recruiter have had experience hiring or finding candidates that are in it in manufacturing it, so does industry play into it yeah we find to a certain level it's not that important if it's industry different uh, although if it's like if it's more of the manufacturing it or the ot side of that industry, it would matter, obviously, if it's going to yep, be very specific yeah. industry. Sometimes you'll find like healthcare might be very, very much, uh, you know, tied to healthcare if it's going to be medical records related or something like that. But if it's mm-hmm. traditional information technology, uh, it can be very much across uh, industry. However, I will say very quickly that I think it's very important for a recruiter uh, that if they're in IT and they're across industry, that they understand an IT department, they understand how it functions, uh, the best mm-hmm. practices, and how certain roles play uh, within an IT organization, because that part does make a difference in how they can be impactful for their CIO or their VP if they're out searching for a new leader, be it a director of operations or a director of the PMO or, or security, mm-hmm. you know, information security officer. Well, you talked earlier about the different types of engagements with a recruiter, contingency engaged, retained. Uh, it, it seems to me that if I'm trying to get the most value out of my relationship with a recruiter, the retained shirt would give me more value. But you, you said you don't see that often in, in tech roles. That's correct. And, and the reason you don't is just because it's, it's very much a, um, it's a process that requires a very strong commitment on both sides. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you have a retained search for a network engineer or a director of IT, uh, that means if you agree on, on the, the fee, uh, let's say it's a $30,000 project. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the traditional model is we'll go out and do the search. And if we bring the right candidate, um, you don't pay anything until it's done and we'll bring the candidate. And then if it's a great fit, you pay the fee on it. That's the contingency, right? That's contingency. Yeah. But that's yeah. very common. And, and it's very common because a lot of times recruiters will have experience in the, in, in the space 
and they've done the search over and over again and they can do it and do it very quickly. Uh, but the retained is a very, very good search. The challenge is I'm going to be asking my company uh, to commit to the entire search fee up uh -huh. front. And so I'm going to do that without me producing any results at that point. Gotcha. But that's where if I say, okay, it's a $30,000 fee, uh, we're going to walk through the, the whole search process, then you'll find that the, the retained recruiter will give much more visibility into their process mm -hmm. than you would because that's really all they have is their process. Right. So they'll walk through their 24 steps and they'll say, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to start. And they have a lot of, uh, a lot of times, a lot of paper they'll, they'll, uh, provide for you. Uh, here's what's going to look like. Here's overviews. Here's the time frame. Here's the timeline. Uh, and then they'll give you a full visibility who they talk to, who they try to contact, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, they're going to turn over every rock in the market and really uncover until they get to the very end. They're going to present you the top five or 10 candidates that they that they found and they're going to move forward and it's a great search the reason you see it more at the executive level or let's say the curator of a museum or something like that it's much more of a methodical search in the uh, contingency world or the it world it's viewed to be very slow and sometimes they think it's not going to be as fast as a, a contingency search, uh, or it's just going to, it's going to be one where it's going to be way too expensive. They tend to have higher fees on a retained search than a contingency search does. So it's really trying to, to, to balance the, the value and the cost and the speed uh, uh, that you're trying to get. When, when I'm talking to these uh, retained search firm or, or search firms, not retained search firms, sure. but search firms, what guarantees can I expect that they're going to deliver? Uh, you know, I'd say most most recruiting firms at any level will quickly say there's no guarantees uh, of a hire. They, they, they're very quick to say, even at retained level, they say, well, we can do all the, the process, but we can't guarantee you'll hire. Um, but I think that one of the one of the misnomers that is there, there are certain things you can look for. Uh, to see that you're getting what you want. And I guess the biggest thing is, are they actually doing the search? Uh, mm -hmm. The biggest challenge in contingency is it's fairly easy in this market for a recruiter to go into the market um, and go to some of these larger companies and they'll give them 10 different job orders because they're desperate to get things filled. They'll have five, six, seven, eight different recruiting firms working on them and they'll give them all the jobs they want and go out and search for them. The question really becomes if you're an individual uh, CIO and you have one key role, how do you know the recruiter is actually working on your search mm -hmm. with a process that makes best practices sense to target the candidate level versus the applicant level? And I think that's really what it comes down to. How can you ensure that? So as I mentioned, the biggest thing is to understand when the start and stop date of the search is. Uh, look for milestones every week. Uh, one of the things that many will do even on the recruiting side is they may uh, start the search and they may preset two or three interview times with their hiring manager to say, we're going to go out and do the search and we're going to target these dates uh, to bring candidates that meet or exceed your requirements so you can interview them at these times. So it puts their feet to the fire a little bit and it shows that they're going to work on the search uh, and it's, it's, it, does, it does add a little bit of extra uh, consideration from the uh, recruiter side, they have to put the time in to produce those interviews with the right kind of people.
Well, what happens if, if they bring me a candidate that was actively searching already? I mean, that, that sounds like, man, I could have found them myself just placing an ad on Indeed at that point. Yeah, and there's there's a bit of that in the market. There's some challenges that people come across with large companies that their internal recruiting, uh, they they may feel like they're they're doing the exact same thing that an external recruiter would do, and sometimes that that can be the case if they're if they're posting for a position, they're using what I, I'll call the 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 help wanted ad kind of philosophy, and they're just putting out posts and they're just trying to do some basic stuff on LinkedIn and they're, they're getting people to reply to them, uh, then oftentimes the recruiter will produce the same pool of candidates or they're in the same pool of candidates that the, uh, the internal recruiting firm, uh, recruiting group is in. So they're not going to bring a lot of uh, unique value. So the question is, how do you know that they're not going to bring, they're going to bring different value? And that's one of the areas where a uh, CIO can can look for what I call the quality indicators and really start focusing on the things that differentiate a candidate from a applicant. And one of the, the one of the big things is tenures, because obviously if you're unemployed, you're an applicant. Um, but if you say to your your hiring manager, we don't target that that community, we target you know the, the candidate community. So we're going to bring people to you that are that are employed not only are they employed, they're going to be employed for two plus years because we feel like those are the, the lower risk uh, professionals in the market. And you can you can have that discussion with the hiring manager and you can talk through, well, what does that mean? Uh, how do you know, uh, you know, if, if I don't bring that, what do you want to do? Do you want to extend the guarantee because they're a higher risk? Uh, do you want to provide some kind of uh, incentive to say, hey, if we don't, as a recruiting firm, we if we bring more than one person that has less than two years tenure, then we'll provide a reduced fee for that search or that particular candidate. Something that shows that you're pursuing candidates that are the harder to get to candidates in the market where the most value typically lies. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been very, very helpful, Eric, and we're, we're running up on time here. So I wanna, I wanna ask you, what haven't I asked you that uh, maybe some of your prospective clients ask, what's a question I should ask my third-party recruiter that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I'd say one one thing I would consider asking if I was looking for somebody that was very specific. Let's say I'm really after my I'm a CIO. I lost my lead systems engineer. I'm looking for somebody that can help me lead to the cloud. I need somebody that's, that, that has the experience. So they're not they're not sitting around out there. Obviously, I got to go out and somehow dig them out of the market, and they're very difficult to find. So, if I have a recruiter, what I might ask them for, what I would ask them for, is um, can you can you show me a, a, a case study where in the last six months you've done this search before? Write wow. me up something. Show me what you've done. How have you done? Do you have experience doing this in this market? And do you have depth? Because what you want is somebody that has. Uh, running start that can really get back in the market and help leverage your past experience to benefit you if they're a specialized if they're a specialized recruiter. So that's the first. That's the one thing I'd probably ask for. And and it's funny how often we don't get asked what our experience is in the area of specialization that we are in. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing I think that I would want to know. And that's very common if you're you know if you're a, a 
Ferrari owner, which I'm not, but if you were, <laughs> you were looking to have someone work on your Ferrari, you probably would ask them if they worked on a Ferrari before. Yeah. yeah. But if you're hiring a Ferrari for your team and you want that lead professional that makes all the difference, uh, I'd want to know that somebody has, has a history of pursuing that level of candidate yeah. and in that particular area that I'm after specifically. That, that's excellent advice. And Eric, as you know, here on Status Go, we, we like to leave our listeners with that strong call to action, that, that go. So what are one or two things that you would encourage our listeners to do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? So from the recruiting side, if you're in the middle of a search uh, and you're not getting the results you want, I, I would simply uh, say to the, the hiring manager to, to contact your recruiter, get a sense of where they're at with the search, and then have a, a candid conversation if they're actually working on the search and have them explain what that looks like. And does it, and is there, is there a process or following where are they at in the process? Uh, and then start digging into, well, how many people have they contacted and so on and so forth. And if they can't really get a lot of answers, uh, what I would, what I would suggest somebody do is, is, is put a timestamp on the search and say, well, here's what we'd like to do on the search. We'd like to give you two dates next week uh, that we'd like to set up for interviews and we'd like you to fill them with candidates. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do that or not going to do that, then you can just let the search go. But you probably aren't going to be able to count on that search mm-hmm. uh, if you want to leave it go in case they find something. But it doesn't sound like they're probably active. So that would be my my initial thing. If you're frustrated with your recruiter is to kind of ask that. And then uh, the other thing is to ask your associates uh, in the market uh, who they've used for specific roles that you're looking for and see if they know of any yeah. recruiters yeah. that specialize in that area. Yep. Get a reference. That's, that's a great advice. Because yeah. we, we happen to focus, like I mentioned before, on the more infrastructure side, but we are uh, we are not specialized on the developer side. Right. And right. so that's the two completely different areas where you can have two completely different specializations in this market. Uh, so that's a good example of that. Yeah. And that's that's excellent to, to understand what experience they have. Uh, and uh, make sure that you're matching your requirements to their experience. So that's fantastic advice. Eric, thanks so much for carving out time to talk with us. Uh, appreciate you doing these uh, two, two episodes fairly close together. Uh, I know that you're busy right now, just uh, as I talk to my CIO friends, uh, they've got a lot of openings. So I know that uh, a lot of them are coming to you. A lot of them are looking for Uh, some great candidates. So thanks for carving out time. It's my pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's a great time to be in the, in the business and a great time to be part of it as a whole, but I thank you for doing what you do, Jeff. It's been a lot of fun and I appreciate uh, your time as well. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. We'll have show notes and they'll provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Eric Miller. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.